This is Marco Reus and you're listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. Royce. Oh, it's dropped for Royce and Royce has put it away. That's what they came here to see. Marco Royce makes it 1-0. What's Alcacer got? Absolute gold dust. That is worth the trip down alone. 57 kilometers away and a free kick of the highest quality that's beautiful hello and welcome to episode 286 of the yellow airport i'm your host stefan butzko and this week we will talk about the latest transfers borussia dortmund's win over kfc uding in the first round of the dfb pokal we will preview the bundesliga game against fc augsburg And of course, discuss who we who we think will be the German champions next or this season rather. And to discuss all that and more, join me once again, Lars Polman. Hello, Lars. How are you doing? Hello, Stefan. I'm very tired, but otherwise fine. That's nice to hear. And I think he was the last time on when Mats Hummels was still with Dortmund before leaving Bayern. <laughs> <laughs> Luca Giel, it's very nice to have you on once again. Luca, how are you doing? Yeah, um, I'm doing, I'm doing fine. And I, I think I have a clause in my contract that I can only be on the podcast if Mats Hummels is at Dortmund. So <laughs> like one more year or so. Yes. Uh, that's, uh, you, you guys are getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> I have a contract of zero, zero euros. <laughs> well, I don't think Luca has gotten paid in a very long time if he would <laughs> get paid. So, um, but, uh, that's actually a very good segue because, uh, there are Patreon shout outs to do. And, uh, a shout out goes out to Kyle Matching, who has upped his pledge from $1 to $5. Uh, I think rewarding, uh, the, uh, my, my work on, uh, upping the ante on the articles on our yellowworldpod.com website. And also a shout out goes out to RVA BVB, who are a supporter club from Richmond, Virginia. And, uh, you can join them at the Penny Lane pub in Richmond to watch the Oxbook game, for example, and find them on Facebook. Also RVA BVB. So, um, that's out of the way. It's, uh, now time to speak about the, transfers that happened since the last time um i guess we start with you Lars. <laughs> i'm still here yes uh, <laughs> but umar toprak is not he joined werder bremen on loan uh, with the obligation to buy clause that is uh, triggered by a very low threshold of appearances and according to runachten dortmund still pay part of his now three million euro wages per year which i think beforehand were around five million um, so what do you make of this? Uh, yeah, I, I would say a bit of a bombshell transfer because I did not expect that so late in the transfer window. I mean, if, if that's a bombshell, then I guess your threshold for bombshell transfers has been lowered significantly by, uh, Bayern's inability to sign anyone <laughs> outside of. Croatian has been. Well, but, most war I mean, movies I watch involve more like, uh, you know, bomb carpets and so one shell doesn't do too much damage. So it's not going to be like a nuke, more like a, you know. Anyway, continue. <laughs> yeah, I was not sure where you were going with that. Um, <laughs> He wasn't neither, either. <laughs> neither, neither were you, yeah. Uh, as for, as for Toprak, uh, I mean, he is a bombshell of a center half, in my opinion. Well, did it make your head explode? <laughs> <laughs> when you heard the no, news. No, but, but there was a sad, a single tear in my left eye, uh, when I waved goodbye to my sweet summer child. Because obviously I am arguably the biggest Ömer Toprak fan. I thought you would say this. Game of Thrones fan now after saying sweet summer child. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I did watch the final season, so not as big as before, but I guess, um, <laughs> Oh, As man. for Toprak for, for a third time, <laughs> um, I mean, obviously uh, losing or I mean, losing is the, the wrong word. I mean, you let go of, uh, as of right now, your third center back. That's kind of a big deal in my opinion, just because, you know, uh, Mats Hummels is over 30 now, just as I am. And I feel it every day. So he will as well. Um, <laughs> Manuel Akanji has, kind of 
lengthy, not really sure what that's all about, hip problems. Yeah, Akanji's hips are basically like Luca's shoulders. Yeah. In and out of place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it would have made sense, in my opinion, just to hold on to Topok after he played a splendid uh, summer prep for the new season. But I can also understand that that's a fairly deep position on your squad and you paid all that money for Leonardo Balerdi six months ago. So you won't, you don't want to stifle his development, uh, just as well as Dan Axel Zagadou's. And obviously Zagadou was in and out of the starting lineup for much of last season. So they, they think highly of him. So they, they feel like they are still, uh, prepared for losing Hummels or Kanji for a couple of games here and there. And, Uh, if push comes to shove, there's still uh, Julian Weigel, even though I think we all agree that he's played himself into a regular starting spot uh, in defensive midfield again. But, you know, if it, it, it's going to be a long season and you probably need Weigel in a couple of games at center half again. And if he's okay with that, then I guess I am also. So I, I, it, it's uh, unfortunate that Topak never really got the kind of recognition he should have gotten in, at Dortmund, in my opinion, just because he's a very good centre-half and he was kind of uh, branded as as a failed transfer almost. Uh, and I'm certainly happy that he moved to a club that I enjoy watching and following from afar, uh, if that makes sense, and, and that he's now going to be a pivotal part of uh, a team, you know, vying for like a Europa League spot or something. So that's, in that sense, I... I almost enjoy the transfer yes and i th i think i agree especially with all the uh, arguments for why it makes sense to to let toprak go but i also would say at the same breath that uh, they all make sense if you want to finish second because um we all remember dortmund conceded 44 goals in the last campaign and uh, the defense was the major issue and i don't really trust Neither Hummels nor Akanji to stay fit, and I feel like uh, Zagadou so far hasn't really impressed me enough to to think that he is is at the level yet where he really plays regularly and is a help. Um, but that obviously is subject to change, especially for such a young player. But for now, going into this season with these ambitions, I would have uh, kept Toprak very close as a, a third center back. So um, yeah. I, I think in any other season that would have been a perfect, perfectly good transfer. But if you want to say this is the season where we win the championship, I would have kept him. So, um, Luca, what's your take on uh, Toprak leaving? Yeah, you guys were kind of torn on it, um, and I am as well. Uh, I like Toprak more than most people, not as much as Lars probably, but more <laughs> than more than Dortmund Twitter at least. And um, like you said, he's he seems like an ideal third center back. He never made a fuss about not playing. He always trained hard. Always like, yeah. Even when when Dortmund signed Hummels, he didn't like complain like uh, Diallo or Zagadou did. So seems like a perfect third center back. But on the other hand, you want to give game time to Zagadou and Balerdi, who are both supremely talented and who need to play. And if you don't find a club you can loan them out to um that makes sense then it's it's probably a good idea not to have a million center backs in, in front of them and um Lars said you you have Weigel who can play there i think uh, now that there are more fullbacks at the clubs you you can also play Pischek there um uh, who who at least in a three three at the back makes sense there is not he's getting older so he's not the the fastest Uh, anymore so maybe the center back role kind of suits I, I, him I don't better. know it's it's been a long time since you've been on this show but we don't talk about three at the back here anymore I the word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I forgot I, I, I didn't know about the show rules but I'll I'll refrain from it from now on yes no but thank you <laughs> um uh, honestly um the A problem I see is that if Topak stays and also that it also goes for a few other players like Gomez, we'll, we'll talk about in a second. The, the squad is just too big to handle in a, in a, in a good way. Um, as a, as an aspiring, aspiring teacher, you, if the class is too big, you can't like give as much attention as you want to, to the, to 
you know, the individual players or the individual students. And that's kind of a problem I see here. And that's also a problem with giving youth a chance if you have uh, so many older players, experienced players who are, have a shot at playing or deserve to play, you can't give the younger players a shot. And I mean, I can, I can see your argument of saying, Oh, we want to, we want to win the league this year. So we should keep top rock. But honestly, I don't think the difference between top rock and Balerdi and Balerdi is, is an entirely new signing because he didn't play, um, in the second half of the season. And if they think, if the club thinks Balerdi is ready to play um, in the Bundesliga and he looked like it in the last few friendlies, I don't think the difference between Topberg and Balerdi will cost Dortmund the, the Bundesliga title. Well, that's uh, to be determined, I guess. Um, but uh, I think to, to close this subject real quick... Uh, we also should respect the wish of Ima Topak that he wants to have regular <laughs> yeah. playing time and yeah. doesn't want to be number three or whatever. And uh, I I hope him, you know, I wish him all the best at, at Bremen, as Lars said. That's a very uh, good club for him to be, a very likable club. So, um, yeah, all the best to you, Irma. Um Luca, quickly, Maximilian Philipp joins uh, Dynamo Moscow for 20 million. Um, what do you make of that? Yeah, I'm so confused. <laughs> um, I've no idea how he ended up in Russia, to be honest. Um, because the talk was that there was, were so many clubs interested, uh, in, in, in Germany and I don't know, I think in Italy. And, uh, now he's in Russia. I don't really get it, to be honest. Um, I guess the, the income tax is pretty low. Hmm. So that might, might play, might play a part. Uh, or he's just, used uh he he grew up in berlin and he's used to used to many russian people i don't know what it is um but uh kind of kind of strange to me to be honest yeah i i'm trying to pull a quote from uh gordon steepich who is his agent um uh, i've i've got it here somewhere uh, he, he said to the russian portal sport 24 even though i don't i don't think that's how it's pronounced but whatever um, there's interest from German, Italian, Spanish and English clubs, but I'm hearing about um, Dynamo Moscow for the first time. A decision will be made soon. Right now he's under contract at Dortmund. So um, that obviously was a couple of weeks ago when I think he was um, linked to Hertha Berlin. And, uh, they and were Frankfurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and Frankfurt after a deal with Wolfsburg collapsed. Um, so... Yeah, a bit of an odyssey, but I think in the end it's down to the fact that Dortmund insisted to um, get the full 20 million back that they spent on him uh, in, what was it, 2017 when he joined from uh, Freiburg. So I think Dynamo Moscow were the only club um, they were ne negotiating with uh, ready to pay that. So I, do, I don't know. That's just my speculation, Lars. If you want to say anything about that, uh, go ahead. Otherwise, we can also just move on. Um, it's been reported that the Philip and his agents were kind of uh, flabbergasted at Wolfsburg's pulling out of a deal that was largely agreed upon uh, for a, a few weeks, uh, actually. So uh, they they kind of banked on that happening and didn't really, you know, enter into serious negotiations with so many other clubs just because they were so sure it was going to happen. And then obviously during the, you know, during an open transfer window, you know, stuff happens, clubs sign other players and suddenly you go from having all these options to maybe having one or two. And then as Lucas said, Dortmund also had their say in it, uh, wanting to recoup, uh, the, the 20 odd million they, they paid for him two years ago. So ultimately I think. You have to also look at his age. He's he's mid in his mid twenties now. He's not a supremely naturally talented player necessarily. I mean, I think he's good, but you know, he he doesn't have that that one special quality that you just don't find on the transfer market anywhere else. I think he's you know a solid all around attacking player for not Dortmund level, obviously, as we've seen over the last two years, but. You know, for a decent Bundesliga side or for an international side wanting to make a splash, uh, you know, Europa League more so than Champions League, I would say. So uh, there aren't so many clubs that will pay north of 15 or even the 20 that Dortmund now apparently got for such a player uh, with that age profile. 
So I think his options were more limited than uh, his agent might have let on or they limited themselves, uh, so to say, after the Wolfsburg deal went through. So it's I think it's kind of unfortunate for, for him personally just because I, I, to me he seems like the kind of guy who doesn't really want to live in, you know, a, a 20 million people city or however many inhabitants Moscow and the larger metropolitan area of Moscow has. He kind of seems to me like uh, uh, more of a shy-ish, wallflower-ish person, even though, you know, he has these these uh, tattoos and all that, so he, he looks like he's an outgoing guy. But <laughs> maybe maybe he's a part of the Russian mob, who knows? I, I haven't uh, looked closely at his tattoos, but if he has stars on his shoulders, who knows? Anyway, yeah, it's it's just I I don't think this is going to make him particularly happy just from how I perceive him as a person. Obviously, I don't know him, uh, and and also from a sporting perspective, I mean, he he went uh, to a mid-table club in a no man's land league. So I mean, he's definitely out of the picture now. For example, for the German national team, which. I think a year ago when Lucien Favre took over Dortmund was probably something that not only I thought might be on the horizon for Favre, for Philipp uh, just because of the the kind of attacking players Favre used to like at Gladbach. Yeah, that, that that's true. I, I think the Wolfsburg deal broke down because Josip Brikalo uh, decided to stay instead of leaving and uh, the potential transfer fee that Wolfsburg would have gotten, they wanted to reinvest in Philipp, but that then didn't happen so um here we are now i don't know if uh, the uh match between dinamo moscow and spartak moscow is a big derby or not where uh philip will play against uh, andre schule who is still uh, on uh not the dortmund payroll but still has a running contract with dortmund um but the uh the, the aragonese derby is uh, certainly one and this is where sergio gomez and shinji kagawa will meet because sergio gomez was loaned out to este huesca in the segunda division <laughs> of uh, in, in spain and shinji kagawa obviously left to real saragossa so um this match i i looked it up will happen on or about the uh, 22nd of december so for you, Luca, especially, I think you will definitely want to watch this game. <laughs> um, yeah, perfect Christmas present. Yes, th th there you go. Um, quick notes on that, Luca, on these two transfers. Um, so Kagawa, obviously, uh, club legend. Uh, yes. The second, the second stint, not as great as the first one, but still gave us some great uh, moments. Um, First of all that, and I think it's a bit underrated that, you know, he helped the a Dortmund team that was very much in transi transition in all these years under uh, Stöger, Bosch, Tuchel, what, what not, uh, that, that he managed to help the club uh, retain international football at, at all times. I, I think, um, you know, he had a hand in that. So, yes, obviously it's not in the view through the same prism of success as as the first stint for obvious reasons but i also wouldn't say that kagawa was a complete failure or you know i don't i don't know i i, I don't want to do an injustice because i still think he he had the team more than than he might get credit for in the second come around yeah oh yeah i would i would definitely agree with that and he also never like at least publicly complained about not playing or anything like that and took it pretty gracefully i would say and yeah, just an overall, overall, like he had a great time at, with Dortmund and, uh, Dortmund owe a lot to him, I would say. He owes a lot to Dortmund and, um, yeah, it was a good time for both, basically. Kind of sad that he now has to go to the second division in Spain. Um, I mean, at least at Spain, apparently he, he desperately wanted to go there, but nobody in the first division wanted him or could pay his wage, wages. So kind of sad. Um, and as for Sergio Gomez, I'm, I, I honestly would have preferred for him to go to a German club, which plays nice football, but those are hard to find. Um, <laughs> and maybe Stuttgart or something. Um, so just so he could continue learning the language, um, getting adapted to the league, to the football that is played here. But I mean, getting him some regular football is the most important thing. And if he gets that in, in Spain, then. That's that's fine with me. Yeah, I think Sorg uh, highlighted the fact that uh, 
Huesca are spielstark, meaning <laughs> I, I, there, there, there's not a literal translation, but they, they're yeah. a strong footballing outfit, basically. So, um, yeah, I think this is uh, important and obviously he speaks the language and everything. Um, do you think we'll see him again at Dortmund or do you think, uh, you know, he would be one of these players that, you know, get loaned out and then eventually get sold? Um, really, really hard to tell because he's still so young. Um, I would, I would love to see him again at Dortmund. Uh, I liked when it, him, whenever I saw him, uh, when he played under Stöger for like just a few minutes, he looked good. Uh, for Spain, he always looked good. Um, I, I personally don't like, I would rate him over some other players that are still in the Dortmund squad. Uh, but Favre doesn't seem to like him and, um, apparently thinks he's too slow. Um, and not like quick enough with his decision making as well. Although I can't really see that in the game. So, uh, really tough to tell. I hope he'll make it, but I would like with all the loans, I kind of think we won't see him again, like playing for the first team in Dortmund and he might become like a decent player for, for the Spanish, like mid table clubs or something. Yeah. Like I mean, he, he joined Dortmund from Barcelona's under 19, especially for, you know, for playing time with first team and hoping that there were better chances, but it just didn't pan out. I think he has what two Bundesliga appearances and one Champions mm. League appearance and accumulated about seven minutes or so. Um, so yeah. Uh, sadly not working out so far I wouldn't be too optimistic about uh, seeing him return but uh, who knows um, um, yeah I, I think we can move on I will uh, quickly note that Shinji Kagawa was one of my uh, favorite players and uh, I also have one yeah. tear rolling down my left eye waving him goodbye so um, there's that. But now I think it's time to move on to the next game. Um, and that was uh, a 2-0 win against KFC Uerding, uh Kevin Großkreuz's team, of course. And um, you, Luca, just talked about uh, uh, lack of pace. And I thought that was my very first, um, you know, takeaway from this. Is the crap Hummels Witzel Weigel that axis is, is freaking slow. <laughs> and I think you last uh, wrote a you know column or whatever on Fußball.News for that. So I'll hand it over to you with uh, explaining my first takeaway. <laughs> I don't really know what there is to explain. Well, I mean, there's a lack of foot speed uh, in the defensive triangle of uh, Mats Hummels, Julian Weigel, and Axel Witzel, which. Uh, a better side than Erdingen might capitalize on, especially on the break. So I'm not necessarily looking forward to Dortmund playing, say, Gladbach this season. Or Hertha uh, with Luke Bakio. <laughs> yeah, uh, or, or Hertha or, you know, basically any club with a decent head coach that actually watches Dortmund games and understands how they are or where they are vulnerable. But... I wouldn't say it's like a debilitating issue for Dortmund because A, you still have Akanji who's really quick and Nico Schulz who uh, is probably the fastest white person in the Bundesliga. <laughs> I was um, going to say on earth, yeah. N no, there, there's this French guy. He's pretty quick. Um, <laughs> so it's, I don't it's, know who you mean, like, but... <laughs> there's Lemaitre? a French sprinter with... Lemaitre or something? Yeah, it might be him. I don't know. Someone Google whether Adam Jamili of uh, Great Britain is whitish. I don't know. I, is that politically correct uh, I don't know. to Just... talk about? Regardless, um, I, I, it's not like Dortmund are going to get absolutely murdered on the break by every decent team, obviously. I mean, I, I think Favre subscribes to the theory that You know, as long as you have solid possession and you are well positioned uh, in your basic schemes, uh, you know, a, a lack of speed isn't necessarily, you know, a, a, a deal breaker, so to say, uh, in terms of the lineup with those three. But I would assume that against some of these teams, so for example, Gladbach, uh, there might be a, a better option than playing, especially Weigel and Witzel next to each other. But, you know, for the most part in these games where Dortmund can expect to have somewhere around, you know, 60% possession and need to break down 
deep-lying uh, defensive blocks. I think uh, having the creative potential of especially Hummels and Weigel on the pitch kind of uh, trumps their lack of quickness tracking back. Uh, so uh, it, it's pr there's probably going to be a couple of games here and there where uh, you kind of wish they, they had more pace, but there will also be a larger number of games where you maybe don't even notice how their ability on the ball is far more important to Dortmund's game than uh, their deficiencies in other areas. Yes, uh, Dortmund broke, by the way, a, a new own record or whatever. I think according to Opta, they reached 92% of pass accuracy, which they've never done before in a German Cup. So yay for them. And um, while we're on that subject, uh, Lucien Favre, I think after the game, was a bit unhappy about the positional play, especially in the first half. But I personally thought it was actually quite promising as far as beating an ultra-deep-lying team goes because, you know, the Dortmund magic was quite rusty and the automatism certainly weren't there yet. But I thought that the way they, they managed to shift the ball around and, uh, you know, push the opponent really deep and, and the runs they made into the box I thought that uh, um, you can see that there's a lot of danger everywhere and there are a lot of different weapons that Dortmund have in, in their arsenal they just didn't use them very well but obviously that's the first cup round that's sort of to be expected but even though um, the coach wasn't too happy I thought um, that game You know, as, as just one game uh, and this is as much as promise you can take out of it. Uh, it, it was it was very positive. I thought we all expected that, but uh, uh, I thought that should be said. Um, so, um, yeah. Also, I, I thought Torgen Hazard played really well. Uh, sometimes I actually mistook him for Jaden Sancho because I think they have the same boot color or whatever. And he looked quite dribbly, so that was good. Um, Luca, I uh, would like you to elaborate a little bit on that game as well and what you thought was good bad and whatever and then we can talk about the handball rule <laughs> oh yeah fun um <laughs> yeah basically you look like a like your normal like your regular first uh, cup round um they they usually i don't want to sometimes they struggle um but mostly it's like okayish football and then they'll somehow get a win in the end because they just have better quality players on the pitch and it was the same same this time i thought what you said that it was kind of encouraging i would agree um they could have had more goals in this game i think the finishing wasn't always there and then those games against those deep sitting sides are always judged on the finishing um because uh, at least when you at least create some sort of you know chances um, and that's an improvement over some games last season where they basically created no chance at, at, at all as soon as a team just sat deep. And Torgen Hazard, I think, like you said, will help with that just to have another dribble player on the pitch. And as soon as Julian Brandt will be back, I think that'll, that'll help as well. Um, I think we'll see him next to Witzel or Weigel a few times in central midfield and that should help against those teams. And, um, yeah, the only thing which, which kind of worries me, but, um, it's also kind of typical for him is the Matsumuls game early in the season. Um, <laughs> he, ha he has those games and he, he had always, yeah, you know, always had those games in the past, but he looked bad, like <laughs> really bad. Um, just slow, uh, some mistakes on the ball, uh, which led to big chances that Erding could have scored. I think at least one or two. Uh, Kanji had one bit bad mistake in the beginning where he wanted to intercept the ball, completely missed it, and then had his opponent free on goal. And uh, luckily, the shot was safe. But um, yeah, I'm not sure about Hakanji. I, I thought he looked good other than that one mistake in this game, but he just doesn't seem right to me. Like, and maybe that's just him now, and maybe his hips are just never going to be as they were in the beginning. But he just doesn't look right to me and the same I mean Pishek is just getting older so that's kind of worrying but I think we'll see Hakimi and hopefully More uh, who I think would have maybe gotten some game time if it wasn't for a shoulder injury uh, which is yeah which I can <laughs> yeah emphasize yeah which I can relate to it's a pretty shitty injury but yeah he'll be back soon so yeah overall not too much to take away from uh, Weigel and Witzel is okay against those kinds of opponents. It's better than Witzel and Delaney, but it's 
I I think as soon as Brunt will be fit, we'll see Brunt and one of them against those deep sitting sides. Yeah, Luca. Since since we have you here, and I don't know how regular that will be, since uh, you are <laughs> a very busy man, international man of mystery. Um, what what's your take on on Weigel's, um development, let's say, over the summer or mm. or however long it took? Because we obviously don't know when it when it started. And do you think that's a The, the switch of plan to let's say Weigel, you know, becoming a more dimensional player than he was before, um, is also down to strategy and what Favre wants, or do you think it's it's more down to the player and uh, how he, you know, wanted to develop him, you know, himself? I mean, I mean, something has happened. Like, that's that's obvious to basically anyone who watches him. I think Lars had a tweet saying he had Weigel had more dribblings in those past two minutes than he had like in those last three years for Dortmund. And that's that's absolutely correct. He's he's moving forward way more than he used to. He scored goals in the friendlies from open play within the box. Um, that basically that never happened before. So something changed um obviously it's speculation to say oh is that down to Weigel himself or is that down to father but looking at father or knowing father and how um yeah kind of peculiar is and how like how he he, he knows exactly what he what his players should do i think it's it's it was that talk that father and Weigel had at the end of last season and i mean as far as the media says and what people in dortmund says say Weigel still wanted to leave but Basically, no club came forward for him as as of now, at least. But since he's not able to leave, he might he is leaving his position more often now, and he's moving up front now. And um, I think that's that's down to a talk with uh, Favre and Weigel is basically now playing the Delaney role and just as a better footballer. He's a he's a worse athlete, um, and that might haunt us in a few games. But I think Delaney will get a few games as well. Uh, but he definitely changed the player he is. And now he, because of that, he works next to Witzel. He doesn't o occupy the same spaces as Witzel all the time, but is more ver vertical now and added, just added something to his game, which is, which is great to see. Yeah. It's, it's also good because, um, it might actually be better for Weigel to stay on in uh, that quote unquote new role because it's, a bit like signing a whole new central midfielder um, without having to integrate a new player and all that. So um, I think that can bode very well and I'm actually excited about that. Um, obviously, um, we still have to talk about Rafael Guerrero and whether he will stay or not. But uh, before we do that, uh, the first goal that Dortmund scored, I think right after halftime, uh, was a very nice uh, ball in from Manuel Akanji into the box and then it sort of Kevin Großkos deflected to Mark Royce or in front of him and Mark Royce touched the ball with his hand or arm or whatever in the whole process and then scored it but um, obviously according to the new rules this goal should or would not have stood so Lars I've already warned you uh, off the record um, you are now uh, inclined to <laughs> to uh, recount all the uh, rule changes At least all those you can think about of the from the top of your head uh, that uh, will be in effect for this new season, especially Bundesliga season. Well, the the first one you already mentioned: if your uh, <clears throat> fingers, hand, arm, elbow, uh, lower part of your shoulder, so basically anything that constitutes handball touches the ball even involuntarily in the process of scoring a goal, that goal will be disallowed even if you have no idea you actually touch the ball with that body part, as I think Marco Reus somewhat credibly could argue. I mean, the ball touched his elbow, uh, which is a, a part of your body where not a lot of nerve, uh, nerve ends are. So, I mean, I don't know if you ever uh, try to pinch your elbow. You won't feel a thing, so... In the heat of the moment, I don't think uh, there was any deliberateness in his touching the ball. But, you know, new rule would have said and VAR review if available in the first round of the cup, which I'm, I'm, isn't. I'm just thinking about several thousand listeners pinching their elbows and that made me very happy. <laughs> don't think of pink elephants, <laughs> Stefan. Damn um, you. <laughs> I mean, so there's no VAR in the first round of the cup, so uh, 
that goal would not have stood. And actually, I think going back really quickly to the game, they really kind of needed that first goal just because typical cup game script kind of says as long as it's uh, nil-nil, there's always that chance for uh, the the surprise goal via set piece or whatever. So that that really helped them. Uh, I think another rule we saw in action in that game was uh, when you are substituted, you are no longer allowed slash required to go to the sideline where the coaching benches are. You are supposed now to leave the pitch on the nearest side to you. So uh, as for players no longer getting the opportunity to waste time basically with their a slow walk to the pit uh, to the to the side of the pitch so i think that's not necessarily a huge development uh, but you know something nice uh, that that should help quicken up the games at least a little bit especially later on obviously i you might argue that it could lead to players just faking more slight injuries to sit down and such but you know that's uh, neither here nor there um Other rule changes in the Bundesliga specifically and also in the Cup, you are now allowed to place 20 players in your matchday squad as opposed to 18, which, you know, kind of could make things interesting if you have like, uh, uh, an, an, uh, adventurous head coach, let's say. Uh, so the opposite basically of Lucien Favre, uh, someone who <laughs> you, you could, uh, could expect You know, someone like Julian Nagelsmann will have made plans to use that in some way to maybe get someone uh, or, or like a special team situation in football. So, or in American football, I should say. So maybe he, he puts an extra striker on the bench only for the final 10 minutes to head out corners from the opposition or whatever. I mean, I'm spitballing here, obviously, but, uh, at least in theory, I think it's it's a positive change just because there's no real reason why it should be 18. I mean, in Italy, you can put as many players on the bench as you want, I think. And it, it, they, they often travel with like 25-man squads. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because it might help actually morale in the team when the, the head coach doesn't have to disappoint players on, uh, I don't know, Thursday evening saying to them that they are not going to be in the squad this week, despite maybe a good week of training, especially now with the, the squad depth Dortmund have. I mean, they they will still uh, have to tell uh, full professional players that arguably deserve a spot uh, on the team that they are not going to be with the team on, on Saturday or Sunday or whenever the game is. So another slight change that I think goes in the right direction. And then the the thing that might be most obvious uh, is goal kicks. Uh, you don't have to play them out of your own box nowadays. Uh, so you can play a short pass, uh, which should help teams that like to build up from the back because obviously the opposition is not allowed to get into your box when you have a goal kick. So you uh, have at least a, a few yards of a head start with a short pass. Um I mean, it's not going to be a revolution in the game like uh, some tactics bloggers on Twitter are claiming because Pep Guardiola did it once in <laughs> the Community Shield. <laughs> I mean, it's it's still it's still a short pass from the goalkeeper, so or or you know a defender. I mean, it doesn't have to be the goalkeeper, but it didn't have to be the goalkeeper before taking the the goal kick. Uh, but yeah, I think that's like uh, a, another small wrinkle where an, an inventive coaching team or coaching staff might, you know, get creative here and there. But overall, it's not going to be a huge difference. And the final one I can remember, I think there there are a couple more. But nowadays, or now in in the Bundesliga and everywhere, basically uh, the, the, those rules or this rule especially is for everyone. Um, there is now the possibility of uh, people on the bench to get uh, bookings and even red cards for uh, bad conduct on the sideline and the the most interesting to me but that's more from an amateur slash youth football perspective is when you don't know exactly which member of the bench or the the staff or whatever uh, behaved badly it's automatically going to the discount of um the head coach so uh, for example if uh a a, a substitute player uh, or you know uh, let's say Marcel Schmelzer coach, like in berlin <laughs> 
yeah, he's he's basically both a substitute and an assistant coach. So that's a perfect example. If if they shout like uh, an insult towards the fourth referee, but nobody really knows who who it was, and they can't really point it out, uh, it's going to be a. I, I mean, in, in the case of an insult, it's going to be a direct red card for the head coach. So yeah. Uh, we, we sure are glad that the stadium announcer does not sit on the bench, aren't we? <laughs> All right, I'll I mean, see myself we, out. <laughs> we, we as people who follow Dortmund most closely won't get in touch with that rule now that neither Jürgen Klopp nor Thomas Tuchel but uh, Lucien Favre are head coach at Dortmund just because he's, you know, very quiet and I don't think he's ever used an insult uh, in his life and not just football, but... You know, for the hotheads, like, for example, Julian Nagelsmann uh, and a couple of others, I think there's going to be, at least on one match day, there's going to be a high-profile sending off of a head coach where this rule will be discussed at length in the typical talk shows about football. But, you know, for 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 Dortmund, that's not necessarily important, I think. Yeah, no, only when the opposition coach gets uh, canned. So, um, yeah. Uh, thank, thank you for for all that, Lars. I couldn't have done it myself, literally, because I, uh, for now, could not have been asked <laughs> to look all the rule changes up. So, uh, thank you very much, Luca. Is there anything, Lars, uh, left out that you can name? Obviously not. Good. He's the rule expert. Yeah. Good. Um, and that means we can now finally move on to the Bundesliga curtain raiser for Dortmund. That is FC Augsburg, which uh, will kick off on Saturday at. Uh, 3.30 Central European Summertime, and uh, I'm very excited, but of course, before we talk about FCR and B4B and all that, um, I want to remind everyone, and that includes you too, um, that we have a fantasy league this season, and that is the official Bundesliga.com fantasy league, and you can find and join our league by searching yellowwallpod.com. That's what our league is called. And uh, there you can go up against my uh, FC automatism. So good luck, everyone. <laughs> Luca, uh, I hope you will uh, join as well. And uh, Lars, I uh, require you to win the league because I know you have a, a nick for, for these sort of things. So um, yeah, it's, it's basically all about beating Lars. So yeah. Good luck with that. Yes, sir. Uh, Winner uh, actually gets a candlelight dinner with Lars uh, and to keep people motivated. So he gets gets to eat with himself then. <laughs> yes. So so like Wednesday evening <laughs> <laughs> or any other evening. Anyway, loser gets a candlelight dinner with uh, Constantine. So uh, to keep everyone on the toes. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, but greetings. But uh, let, let's move on before, uh, you know, we get sued and Luca has to file a brief or something. Um, because he's working for a law firm now. Anyway, um, <laughs> I don't know. You probably would have to recuse yourself. Anywho, um, FC Augsburg, uh, they got promoted to the Bundesliga in 2011. But uh, from a lot of other Bundesliga podcasts I've been listening to and uh, hearing other experts uh, talk about this uh A few people have suggested that they might be uh, very good candidates for a relegation to the second division. Um, Luca, what do you think? They just lost to uh, Veal. Veal. Yeah. <laughs> SC Veal in the uh, first round of the uh, DFB Pokal. What do you make of uh, FC Augsburg? And uh, I will note that I've uh, written down all their signings and uh, Exits and the uh, very, I don't want to say prominent, but long injury list. So uh, you go ahead and say something about Augsburg and then I will uh, fill everyone in on what happened during the summer. So, yeah, so obviously they won't be relegated because they have Julian Schieber. Um, Who played so in impossible. the cup he got subbed on. Yeah. Um, Didn't help, no, but... Okay. <laughs> But um, if I'm not completely mistaken, they coached by Martin Schmidt, right? Yes. Um, and better ski jumper than football coach <laughs> and he's just a typical Bundesliga coach I would say really could be really ugly against the ball could make life miserable for Dortmund on the weekend I think as they know um, from last season where they lost exactly. in Augsburg 
Exactly. And Augsburg are always tough games for Dortmund. I, I still remember like from the, from the club season, there was an Augsburg game, which was horrible. And then there were the first booths in the stadium. And, uh, yeah, Dong Wongji lo loves to, uh, he scored like the last season, right? And, um, yeah, those games are always tough for Dortmund because Augsburg press high and they probably will kind of man mark Dortmund a bit out of the game. And it'll show um, how Dortmund uh, like improved in that regard. I think there were some promises in the in the preseason, and uh, Julian Brandt hopefully will be fit for the game. He would be a huge help for that kind of game, I think. But like with those teams, and um, Augsburg is one of those teams. They don't really have a plan with the ball, and they don't really have a plan when they're the better side or when they're the favorites. And that kind of showed in the cup. I saw like a few snippets at least of them, and they just didn't have a clue how to attack uh Vail or Fail and Fail. Um, fail. Okay. <laughs> so I was right. This um, this is this is like the, the goddamn Krefeld situation from last week. Stefan. Yeah I was just gonna your, say don't bring it you up. You don't know your your goddamn geography man. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea where Fail is though. In Baden Württemberg or something. Um, no it's oh good it's Where right it? next right next to Gütersloh in North Rhine-Westphalia. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah, I, I could have guessed that all the clubs are not NFL. Um, but anyway, please cut that out, Stefan. No, I won't. <laughs> Damn it. Um, so, so, but yeah, just um, to sum it up, Augsburg, typical Bundesliga side, know how to defend, know how to make life miserable for a superior team, but don't know what to do when they have the ball themselves. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who was waiting for that? Uh, yeah. Any, anyway, so um, they they signed, and I I have it in quotes here. Thomas, women belong in the kitchen. Kubek as a goalkeeper, um, because he uh, yeah, uh, made headlines because of sexism and saying that I think there was a female referee or linesman or so, and uh, said she does belong in the kitchen, not uh, you know anywhere near professional male football. So that was uh. Yeah, very nice for him. Yeah. So if people uh, was he on football Twitter before he was yeah, signed yeah, for Oxford? Yeah, I, then? I, I don't know, but um, yeah, that's that's already that that already annoys no, me. No, actually, actually, he played for Start Rennes, I think, in France. So it's I guess fairly likely that he actually was talking about uh, the referee Stephanie Frappard, who, uh, as we are recording, actually is uh, refereeing the European Super Cup. So. I oh, guess he was. Today. I, I I think he was proven quite incorrectly there. Yes, shocker. Yes, shocker. I mean, I'm not to say that women do not not belong in the kitchen because a lot of women can cook very well, but it's a very sexist comment to make and uh, is very not appreciated on the yellow white pot. Um, also, Augsburg signs uh, Reese Oxford from uh, West Ham slash Hoffenheim. Um, Marek Suci or Suki or whatever his name is from FC Basel and, uh, Iago from Brazil and Mats Petersen as a, you know, two left backs from, uh, Denmark and Carlo Grezzo or Grezzo or whoever, how <laughs> maybe, maybe he is Grezzo, I don't know, but, um, he's from FC Denmark. Grezzo. Grezzo. What is, what is going on here? <laughs> Did you just call him Grezzo? <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> He was at Stuttgart. He is a Bundesliga-proven player. He was? Carlos, I've never heard Carlos of him. Carlos Grueso. I've, I've never you heard of this have, player. We should have Constantine on the show because I think all the tactics bloggers are huge fans of Carlos Grueso from his time in, like, South American under-20 tournaments. Sure. <laughs> I apologize uh, to the listeners, but, uh, yeah, I had no clue. Sorry to Carlos Grütze. <laughs> well, that, that, that was a and and while we're at it, Reese Oxford was not at Hoffenheim. Uh, Gladbach, yeah, I'm sorry. Same same thing, basically. Yes, totally. Anywho, uh, Ruben Vargas was is he also a former Bundesliga player because I think he he's a left winger from Luzern. Okay, no, he wasn't. So, <laughs> not the same Vargas that was at Hoffenheim, Stefan. <laughs> Good. So, um, yeah, also they, they got Noah Zarenren Basé from Hanover, who uh, some might remember, and uh, Florian Niederlechner from Freiburg. He's a forward, I think. I'm, I'm not sure about anything anymore ever. Um, but yeah, he is actually also quite okay, good player. I don't know. Um, but they lost Martin Hinteregger, Kevin Dunso, Jonathan Schmidt, 
Jan-Ingwer Carlsen Bracker, Joel Ku and uh, Dong Won Ji, I think, also left. Yes. <laughs> Konstantinos Staphylidis and Takashi Uzami and uh, many more, I think. Uh, but yeah, and anyway, I don't want to rattle down the, the entire list now. So, I mean, they, they sort of lost Hinteregger earlier, just like Kayubi also, I think, uh, was suspended or what, whatever happened there. But I think they terminated his contract. So he's not there. And uh, that brings me to the uh, injury list. Uh, and that's also quite prominent for Augsburg because uh, Julio, their uh, center-back, is out. Uh, Philip Max, the left-back. Uh, Iago, the other Brazilian left-back. Rafael Framberger. Felix Götze and of course their I think most valuable player uh, Alfred Finbogason is out but I think he's set to return and Sergio I don't know how to pronounce him either Cordova or Cordoba um, I've heard different versions he is also out so um, yeah lots of players to um, make do for for Martin Schmidt um, very long list so yeah, Augsburg in in short will be quite hampered going in into this game on on Saturday. And uh, from what I've heard and read from Augsburg fans, they were so far also not very impressed with their backline. Pedersen, Rieder, and Tiger all got quite criticized for not looking good. And yeah, so um, I also don't know about the new goalkeeper they have. So. Anyway, I, I feel like it, it might just so happen that Augsburg get absolutely pummeled or I might be completely incorrect. So, Lars, what do you think will go down on Saturday in uh, the first game for Dortmund of the Bundesliga season? Um, as, as Lucas said, I think Martin Schmidt is kind of a quintessential Bundesliga coach also. So it's not like he's going to have that super innovative plan to stop Dortmund's fairly considerable attacking talent. So it's kind of a cup game-like game script I'm expecting. So Dortmund having a lot of the ball, but needing to be careful, uh, not giving it away in, in critical situations because as opposed to Erding, Augsburg do have a number of somewhat dangerous players. You might uh, remember Marco Richter from the under-21 European Championships in the summer, where he looked like a world beater in the group stages, but uh, later on didn't do a squad anymore. Uh, Andre Hahn is obviously a Ballon d'Or candidate every season. Um, I don't remember who they, they played in the number 10 spot. Uh, Gregoric, obviously, uh, against Ferl. Uh, Gregoric, I, I, I really still like him. I think he could arguably play for uh, let's say a team vying for fifth uh, this season so someone like Bremen who actually tried to sign him really hard but don't have the funds uh, especially now after paying most of Irma Toprak's uh, contract um, so I mean uh, Dortmund are going to have at least 55-60% possession they are going to have more scoring opportunities you would assume and hope uh, it's just going to be a matter of finishing one early enough uh, for there to be some security in their own performance. And, and should that happen, and, and I'm somewhat hopeful just by the way, you know, someone like Paco Alcázar has played recently. Uh, Marco Reus is also obviously always a candidate for an, an early uh, one nil goal. Uh, I think uh, if, if, if they they take one of their first two or three chances, I think this could get a, a, a little out of hand for Augsburg. Not to say it's going to be a pummeling or anything, just because match day one typically doesn't have two crazy results unless Bayern get to play Hamburg, which uh, doesn't happen this season for very obvious reasons. Or, or, or unless uh, Pierre-Marek Aubameyang debuts against Augsburg. Yeah, but that was still just, wasn't that like a 4-0? So yeah, mean, that's, not too bad. It's it's not a crazy result. I don't know. In my I mind, the final is that still was a family, yeah, but yeah, maybe yeah, and, not and it, it, anymore. And it was at Augsburg, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, so it was. So so a final away win is something different to a final home win for arguably title favorite Dortmund. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute, I guess. But you know, I I, I mean, I just saying it's not going to be, in my opinion or in in, in my estimation, like uh, a five nil, six nil. And everybody talking about how Dortmund are basically champions after 90 minutes. 
Yeah, we'll talk about that uh, in in a bit. And I, I you know, I I want to warn everyone. Uh, even though it can get very ugly for Dortmund, I don't think people should make too much of the result because Augsburg seem to be quite dire right now. Um, interesting. I don't know, fact or whatever, is that uh, they have a, a Canberra nut in their crest. Um, I'm still not entirely sure why. I mean, that's obviously part of the Augsburg um, crest or, or whatever um, of the city. Isn't, of that the, the, isn't that like a family thing uh, of the Fugger family? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Um, let me look it up. That is great <laughs> podcast content right now. <laughs> so, so while you edit, you could you could look up uh, the the French sprinter and whether or not Adam Jamili uh, has you know. I'm uh, I'm pretty sure it's Lemaitre. So 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 it has something to do with the uh, um, Roman Kaiser Augustus. <laughs> so um, yeah. Any anyway, I I don't know. I'm. I already lost interest, so <laughs> let's just move on. Um, Luca, how do you think uh, Dortmund will line up for this game? Um, I think Rafael Guerrero is still out. Julian Brandt, as you already alluded to, might slot back in. We obviously record this one before the press conference, which will totally enlighten us. So um, you uh, will have to speak more like, like all of our press conferences. Yes. Um, I think it'll be pretty much the same as in the cup. Um, Berkey might return in goal for hits. Um, I would hope to see Hakimi instead of Piszczek, just to add some more pace against their counterattacks. Like we said, there's some severe pace lacking in the middle of the pitch, but then with Hakimi and Schultz on the, on the sides, we should be fine. And other than that, I expect pretty much the same lineup. Um, now that Alcacer is able to run and play football for more than 50 minutes, um, he should get the next game as well, I think. And yeah, I don't see, I don't see much, much reason to change, um, the lineup. Even if Brandt is fit, I think he'll start from the bench and then give us a good option from, from the bench. Yeah, I would agree. I don't think uh, Brandt will start right away after um, missing, what, two weeks of preseason or so? Or was it just one week? I'm not entirely sure anymore, but uh, probably long enough for him to still have, you know, some some uh, yeah fitness to make up for again. So, um, yeah. Any, any who will ask, what do you... What do you think uh, Dortmund will put on the uh, parquet <laughs> on, on the floor uh, in their first game? Or who rather? Is is oh I, I thought we were already at the prediction stage. No, I'm uh, in terms of the lineup I think it's going to be Berkey for hits and then the same ten outfielders we saw against uh Erdingen. Um with the the one spot I think Luca has already uh, identified where we could see a change is right back just because Pischek, you know, you don't really need Pischek against Augsburg, I wouldn't say, but uh, seeing as Hakimi had uh, the AFCON during the summer, he I mean, he's obviously an athletic marvel and can basically run uh, whenever you wake him up during the middle of the night, but uh, they, they might play it safe-ish uh, with him and use him perhaps as more of a defensive-minded attacking sub, if that makes sense, during the second half, because in both... Uh, uh, matches that we've seen so far in both competitive matches, uh, Hakimi has been used as a winger uh, instead of uh, fullback, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. that 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 makes some sense uh, to introduce that kind of uh, athleticism of the bench. So uh, other than that, I mean, Brandt and Götze, I would say, are the only ones uh, that that are close enough to the team where a change, you know, here and there wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me, uh, in terms of the guys not playing against Erding. But I mean, it's the first Bundesliga game. Everybody's still relatively fresh. So there's not going to be any experiments or the like. No, I agree. So, um, yeah, let's just move on to predictions because, uh, we have to, uh, knock it on the head soon. Um, so Luca, you can go first. How high will Dortmund win? <laughs> I think it will be kind of ugly and a 3-1 win for Dortmund in the end. Okay, so not that ugly. Um, 
Lars? Na, ugly for Dortmund. Yeah, okay, I, I see. The, the game overall, so not ugly for Augsburg. Yeah. Lars, what do yeah. you what do you think uh, will happen? Three uh, 0 for Dortmund. All right, I'm actually going to go out and say four one. And um, yeah, I I think now that uh, the you know Bundesliga is upon us, we can actually you know try to predict the the champion. I don't think we need to predict the entire eighteen. Uh, you know, please no. final table. But uh, Luca, who do you think will win the championship? I was. I'm so happy you didn't make me predict all 18 because I don't even know if I know all 18 teams playing in the Bundesliga <laughs> because I keep forgetting Paderborn. <laughs> um, so I think uh, it all obviously depends on the rest of the transfer window. Um, but I will assume, like, on the basis of my prediction, will be that Bayern will sign another winger. And um, probably Mandzukic and a central midfielder. That's what I think will happen. And then I think they are the favorites to win the league just because they have the better starting 11 right now. And then they will have a not, yeah, not as good of, as a squad as Dortmund then, but uh, it's on a similar level then. And I think it'll be Bayern. Okay, Lars? Uh, basically same. Um I just just for variety's sake, I will say that I think uh, Leipzig is not going to challenge the the top two as much as Leverkusen are going to this season. Oh, interesting. Why why do you uh, believe in Peter Bosch? I do believe in Peter Bosch at Leverkusen. I didn't believe in him at Dortmund and was proven correct. But I think he's a very good fit for that club and the the lack of. Uh, pressure in terms of you know national interest in the team and also I think the squad they have assembled even despite losing Julian Brandt uh, really fits what they like to do uh, or what, what Bosch likes to do and I mean anyone signing Kerem Demir by is going to have like uh, uh, a special uh, star in my book so uh, I think they are going to beat Leipzig and Gladbach and uh, I don't know maybe Wolfsburg for a third, but I don't think it's going to be too close to to Dortmund and and Bayern. Just I don't I don't see why because some people have predicted uh, that Leipzig are going to break into that top two, and I don't really see that. Yeah, maybe they they are. I don't I don't know. I'm I'm not holding my breath for Leipzig either. Um, I I would love to say you know Dortmund will definitely win the championship, but I'm. Actually, agree with Luca. I think that Bayern are going to win it for an eighth time yet again, um, and I, I will base it on the evidence of the Rückrunde from Dortmund. Especially Lucien Favre did not impress me enough to think that he has the in-game coaching um, decision making that is required uh, to consistently beat, uh, uh, you know, or win in the Bundesliga. That is, um, I, I think, has has gained a little bit in, in coaching uh, finesse. Let, let's put it this way. And um, the first half of the last season was, you know, there there was a lot of luck involved. And I think in the second half of the season, the the biggest nerves were actually shown from from Favre. And I don't, I don't really think that's going to change. I I always think back of that Mainz game, which Dortmund narrowly won, but where Favre was completely outcoached for the entirety of the second half. And uh, I'm not optimistic enough that throughout the summer break that he has has changed to the extent that now he will um, outsmart every other coach. I don't know. I've I've just lost a lot of faith in 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 him as a coach during the the last uh, yeah six months or so. I still think he's a very good coach and all that, but I just don't think it's going to be enough to to win the Bundesliga. I think it's going to be an awesome season, but I also think that Dortmund will finish second. However, I will gladly be proven wrong because we're, I think, all tired of uh, and sick and, sick and tired of Bayern winning trophies. And it's also quite nice to see Dortmund win the Bundesliga. But um, to give an honest prediction, I don't, I just don't see it. So um, the end. Anywho, so that's that's it for this show. I don't know, probably not not we wanted to end on, but uh, yeah, it's it's time. Luca, how can people uh, find you in Berlin? <laughs> oh, the good old one is back. Um, yeah, don't find me in Berlin. Uh, it's it's not it's ugly here. Don't come here. We have enough people here. Um, Sound like Trump. Come... <laughs> 
and there are other nice places in Germany. Um, no, you can find me on, on Twitter at Fedekirch. This is very nice. Uh, Lars, how can people read your content? Uh, we can learn about North Rhine-Westphalian geography <laughs> on Twitter <laughs> at Lars Polman. <laughs> Very nice. If you don't want to learn about North Rhine-Westphalia geography, you can find me at Stefan Bootsko. If you want to get in touch with all of us, uh, please do that at Yellow Worldport on either Facebook or Twitter. Uh, find our written content on yellowworldport.com. And if you want to be a patron like Kyle Matching or the guys and girls from Richmond, then uh, go on patreon.com slash theyellowwall and contribute a buck or two or whatever. That would be very much appreciated. And if you want to subscribe to the show in all kinds of ways, please go to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and all the further. And uh, one note is I will soon discontinue our very old uh, podcast RSS feed and will use the one that SoundCloud provides because uh, that automatically updates and I don't have to do another work step. So um, you can also find that on yellowworldpod.com as the podcast rss feed now so please if you have a android podcatcher or so please update that because again that will be discontinued anyway um thank you again uh, Lars and luca for coming on and uh, helping me out with the uh, pronunciations geography and all kinds of other stupid stuff and uh, of course and what did luca do <laughs> that's that's also a good episode name yes pronunciation geography and all stupid all kinds of other stupid stuff yeah, yeah this, the, the, the the last part was dedicated to Lu luca but last uh thank you thank uh, you you're far too kind <laughs> as always anyway everyone out there as always thank you for listening until next week goodbye <laughs>